You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouettes Flight Deck, the podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And I'm Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repack. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And this episode of the podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sport Buff, where if you use the promo code FlightDeck-10 at checkout, you will earn 10% off your entire order. So head over to sportbuffshop.com, use the code, save some money, and get some sweet, sweet merch. And the Alouettes Flight Deck is all over social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Alouettes FL Deck, on Facebook at Alouettes Flight Deck Pod, on Instagram at Alouettes Flight Deck. And now, folks, you can follow and subscribe, please do subscribe, to the YouTube channel, which is officially at youtube.com slash Alouettes Flight Deck. No Snapchat, no TikTok, none of that nonsense. And we also wanted to congratulate Martin Bougie for winning the pair of uh, Sport Buff Flight Crew seats for this week's game versus the BC Lions. Congratulations. And also stay tuned, everybody. Uh, the next pair will be going up um, for the September 23rd game. It's a Friday night versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So stay tuned for the next episode of the podcast where... Uh, the uh, where you can join the cha- for the chance to win that pair of tickets to see the game. Okay, I was trying to think of an analogy here, Cliff, after what we saw this past week. Um, and by the way, want to mention to everybody that we actually brought in Reed Johnson from the Markcast, who's going to be talking about uh, the game this week. He's going to be talking about what he and the, their group has deemed uh, the, the uh, what, what do they call themselves? Uh, America's team, the BC Lions. Um, but <laughs> America's we'll be, CFL team. Yes, <laughs> uh, yes. We'll be talking, uh, talking with Reed uh, in, uh, in a little bit. Um, but we, we had similar hopes for what the Alouettes were going to do this week, even with all the drama that occurred after the bye week, you know, with VA being traded, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't want to rehash what happened, but everybody knows. And I think for me, Cliff, it was a a good, this is the best analogy that I could use is today I went over to Le Comarial and I went to this little niche place, um, where that they sold U.S.-based or candy from the U.S., Europe, et cetera, et cetera, that you can't get here. And my thought was, you know, this this stuff is so much better than the the non-name brand where, you know, you can go in and you can get the the no-name brand or you can get the PC brand or, or, you know, it it tastes so much better. And so I bought what I wanted. It tastes exactly what I thought it was going to taste like, Cliff. Mm -hmm. The Alouettes, unfortunately, last week represented... I don't know if they actually represented PC brand or no name brand. It was one of those offshoot brands that try to use a, a name of something that sounds like a brand name, but in no way, shape or form is that brand name. This, I think the best, if you're going to use an analogy, why don't we use the one that I've always loved from The Simpsons when Mr. Burns wanted to get Steven Spielberg to direct his movie, mm-hmm. but instead had to go with his non-union Mexican equivalent. 
I think what we saw last Friday was the non-union Mexican equivalent of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, yes, or the, or the non-name brand of Coke. This was even below our C-Cola, Cliff. And that's, I, I mean, like, that's saying I, something. I, I mean, the grocery store cola that you can get for like 50 cents a can still out of their, out of their vending machine. I mean, that, that's really what it was. Does anybody still drink RC Cola? When's the last I'm, time you had RC Cola? Oh, geez, it's been a, I haven't had that in a dog's age. I mean, <laughs> sheesh, man. I, yeah. I, as far as like sodas go, I mean, yeah, I mean, Coke and Pepsi won that war quite handily. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, and with, well, I think with RC, a, a quick third, uh, if, if you were to give him that. But yeah. It, and, it, and you know what's even funny? I don't think yeah. anyone under the age of 30 knows what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So do your due diligence, go to the Google machine, type in RC Cola, and voila, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that, that, you, that's your Montreal Alouettes, folks, right now. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, you're, you're exactly. I think you're you're correct on that one. There were hopes going into this. The Alouettes, we we're hoping, was going to extend their. You know, we're they were going to extend their their winning streak. They were going to, um, you know, get closer to to uh, an actual first place, not necessarily by points, but you know, the act with actual record and stuff like that to the Toronto Argonauts. Um, you know, solidify their spot in second place in the Eastern Division. And albeit, albeit for one drive, which I deemed on social media as a statement drive, which a lot of people agreed with, um, not only in social media, but elsewhere. Other than that, it was brand name, brand name, no, sorry, non-name brand Alouettes for the rest of this game. You called it last week by calling it a potential trap game. This was a trap game. This was Shades. Ah, would you call this Shades of, the, of that infamous game on Canada Day in, in Ottawa versus the Renegades? It, does it even equate to that game? Not even a little bit, because that game, Montreal was completely dominant and then completely crapped the bed. Whereas mm-hmm. this game, neither team looked really dominant. Neither no. team looked cohesive for the most part. I mean, there's spurts of good th- from both, but... It it took a while for everybody to get going, but I mean, once Ottawa found their groove and Nick Arbuckle just he's really come alive. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's so funny, like how sometimes it just takes the right system to for a quarterback to finally be showing his worth. I mean, I mean, we saw what he did when he was in Calgary. I mean, he looked really good when he was a member of the Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Good enough that he was able to the the the, the Red Blacks had traded for him in 2020, traded for the first overall pick for his rights to be able to have him. And then he never ended up actually playing for the Red Blacks, ended up signing with, <laughs> with the Argos, did nothing of note there, went to Edmonton, looked even terrible there. Got, and, treat, got treated even worse there. Yep. And then, lo and behold, ends up traded back to the Red Blacks. So eventually plays for him, and wouldn't you know it, this is the system that finally works for Nick Arbuckle. And we weren't sure. Like, after that game against Edmonton, we thought, okay, was Ottawa... Is is Ottawa better than we thought, or was it just because they were playing a, a really bad Elks team? Turns out, maybe they are better than what we thought they were. Maybe this really was the magic formula, like having Nick Arbuckle as quarterback and just the the relationship he has with his receivers and just everything just seemed to fall into place. And Montreal just really truly had no answer for Nick Arbuckle and the Ottawa Red Blacks last Friday. No, no, none at all. And, and, and despite what some of the fans were, what we were hearing from the fans about, you know, uh, how good or bad Arbuckle was, Arbuckle, he is the prototypical CFL quarterback. He was able to get out of trouble 
He was able to some of the passes that he had, which was absolutely amazing. Um, it, but it again, it's just something that the Alouettes, certain things that the Alouettes should have been able to capitalize on, could not. Can we give him a mulligan? I mean, some may say, could we give him a mulligan because of what happened last week? No, you still need to go and play. We do understand that things did happen. Uh, it, it, you know what? You look at how this game ended up with the Owls losing 38-24 to the Red Blacks. Did the trade of Vernon Adams hurt this team more than, obviously, than the than some were letting on? It's it, 100%. It, yeah. Um, I, I think he basically took the wind out of the sails of this team in a lot of ways. Not it was all it started with what what happened with the, this whole situation. Gary Stern basically being you know shunted off to the you know to the nether realm. Vernon Adams being traded to the BC Lions. I mean, those were two big parts of this team. And let's not forget earlier too, like the firing of Kahari Jones and Baron Miles, like all the things that made this football team magical and fun to begin with you've essentially gotten rid of those things you've basically cut them off at the knees like you you have eliminated those things and this is what you've ended up with like this is this was you you've made your bed and now the montreal alouettes have to lie in it that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to i mean yeah. this is this is the environment they have fostered this is the environment they have nurtured and created and now this is the result of it and i've never been so scared of an upcoming bye week <laughs> next week yeah what what else could possibly happen what what other insane possible thing could possibly happen to this football team and uh, the, the the thing that really kills me is a lot of it is self-inflicted like these are moves that were planned in advance and now have been given the opportunity to go ahead with when you think about it it took a bye week for danny machocha to get rid of kahari jones and baron miles so that he can instill himself as the head coach and bring in Noel Thorpe as defensive coordinator. Like mm-hmm. these were moves that he wanted to make, but obviously couldn't because of everything that had happened in the past. He just needed an out. And the bye week and the less than favorable results that Kahari had posted to that point basically led to that change being made. Now, with this other bye week that just passed, more changes are being made. Now that Gary Stern, who was a very vocal supporter of Vernon Adams and someone who really was not shy about sharing his opinions uh, on the team, good, bad, or other. Now that he's been, essentially been muffled, now you pretty much have free reign to do what you want because now you don't have to necessarily answer to Gary Stern. You have to answer to the estate of Sid Spiegel. And I don't know just how interested they are in the day-to-day operations of the Alouettes other than paying the bills and making sure everybody gets their paychecks. You basically now have free reign. Now you can do the thing you wanted to do, and that was get rid of Vernon Adams. Right, and so and, now, and by the way, what, if, any, if anybody wanted to to hear this in in its entirety, you can head over to the previous episode where I know Cliff and I we we talk about it. We were pretty, I think, uh, we were vocal, but we were pretty calm based on the situation. But yeah, it's as as you're about to get to Cliff, and as I mentioned. What what else can happen with this upcoming bye week? But I mean, we don't want to look, you know, like the Owls. Maybe they could have, they may have done. We don't want to look ahead to anything. But I, I think in, in this circumstance, uh, we can all oh, we really just we just need to maybe cross our fingers and go buy a lotto ticket that nothing major occurs. But again, that's that's for next week. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's still moves that can be made. There's still things that can be done to try and. Change things. I've, I think a lot's going to depend what happens this Friday versus BC Lions. Mm-hmm. And again, it was it's one of those weird games where I had already considered it an L, and then Nathan Rourke got hurt. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, 
okay, maybe now the Owls have a chance because, I mean, with Nathan Rourke in the lineup, forget it. Like, I mean, that's pretty much a guaranteed win as far as I was concerned. But then, like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure we could beat Antonio Pipkin or Michael O'Connor just based on how they played uh, that first game in the post-Nathan Rourke era. Mm -hmm. And their previous history in Montreal. Right. But also now, now that they've gone gone ahead and traded Vernon Adams to the BC Lions – Knowing full well they're going to play those same BC Lions, I, I have to, I have to wonder about that because, quite frankly, with all the offensive firepower that the BC Lions have, I got to say they're going to be in very, very tough. And now you throw in the wrinkle of Vernon Adams, who I, I don't care what happens, I don't care how many high roads he takes, I don't care how many nice things he has to say, and how he doesn't want to get into the, you know. You know, mudslinging or any of that stuff. Like he doesn't want to, you know, say anything bad about the Alouettes at this point, and good on him for it. But you know, deep down, there's got to be a little part of him like that's just frothing, that the oh, foaming yeah. at the mouth to want to get out there and <laughs> and prove mm-hmm. to this team, prove to the Alouettes, like you mm-hmm. made a huge mistake, yep. and I am going to show you. We'll see. We'll see again. We'll see what happens to it. We'll, we'll get. We'll delve into that a little bit more once we get into the actual preview itself. Um, the Owls. I mean. Overall, you look what the Owls did. I mean, still, you know, you know, 22 first downs. They had 145 yards rushing. I mean, dude, they had a 9.1 yard average rushing on 16 carries. That's one of my issues. You know, passing yards of 256. Um, you know, very few penalties. You know, time of possession, you know, it's basically half-half. But, the, you know, but the problem is, again, interceptions. Uh, a fumble and, and a scoop and score. Um, you know, again, only four penalties for the Alouettes. That's fantastic. But it keeps going. It keeps going into this narrative, like you've brought up a couple times, and which we've done before for all of our starting quarterbacks. You know, through time since we've been doing this pod, we have a quarterback that is hot and cold. We have a Jekyll and Hyde quarterback once again, and I think it. it there needs to be some consistency. Maybe there needs to be a change. But the problem is right now with the amount of money that they're playing, paying Trevor, he, again, Trevor has improved. Right now, yes, I will say Trevor Trevor Harris is our quarterback. He is our quarterback. But, again, it's just some things need to improve. I mean, this is, this is my thought here, Cliff, is that the Alouettes, as I said on, on social media, they made a statement drive. And I think I mentioned it to you before it occurred. You know, they're on, they were 101 yards away. If they could make a statement drive and score, they could take over this game in a heartbeat. Well, what did they do, Cliff? Not only did they score a touchdown, but they did it by running the ball down the Red Blacks' throats. And these weren't just short drives, or short runs. But following this, you have the scoop and score by the Red Blacks on the next Alouette's possession, and it just fell apart. Where the Alouettes have eight had eight rushes with up up you know within uh, sixteen minutes or nineteen minutes of uh, the, fir- the first six, 19 minutes of the game, and then for the rest of the game, Cliff, they had eight. Now that you can the same amount, but you can say you know they would say, oh well, you know you know rushing is based on what the current game situation is and what the score is. It was 10-10. 10-10 at that point. Why did you stop the running game? If you did something so well, that drive was absolute perfection. Probably, you know, it was the first Al's drive 
for more than 100 yards for a touchdown since almost a year ago to the date last year. If you're doing something so well, why stop, Cliff? I just don't understand. Even so, we still it was 10-10. Okay, so what? They just stopped. It, as if the running game did not exist anymore. Yeah, and it's funny that you, you you keep mentioning statement drive, statement drive, and you're absolutely right. That was a statement drive. Problem is, all of their other drives were statement drives, but not exactly the statement you want to be making. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. I, 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 and this is what it came down to was just the fact that the offense just at times looked lost. I mean, yes, if you were to look at the stats, just look at the stats without looking at the score, mm-hmm. you'd think, holy cow. Trevor Harris had a great game. Mm-hmm. Walter Fletcher and Jeshua Antwi. Boy, those guys are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson Philpott, Gino Lewis, Reggie White Jr. Man, those guys can catch a ball. Yalwa should have killed this team. But no, they just couldn't put things together properly. And this defense, I'm sorry to say, there's no heart. There, there, there's nothing. This secondary just made, was made look foolish by Nick Arbuckle and guys like Jalen Acklin and uh, Nate Bahar. Uh, I mean... There is so many times I, I lost count how many times Nick Arbuckle was throwing up prayers. Yes. I'm like, oh, th- this is not th- no no way this is gonna. Sure enough, it'd be one of those two guys that would bring it down. Like, how in the blue hell did you catch that? How in he was, Arbuckle was putting up uh, Zach Caleros types of throws. Zach Caleros, and even back in his day, Trevor Harris as a red black mm-hmm. would make those kind of. WTF throws and you're like how in God's name did he complete that <laughs> better question how how the hell was the receiver open like a 7-Eleven 24-7 like it was it's <laughs> unbelievable wait a minute is that why they got 7-Eleven as a sponsor for Thursday Night Football because they knew that the Alouettes would leave receivers wide open like that all wait, night long uh, if that would have been it would have been in Kushtard you know <laughs> uh, my point remains. I yeah, mean, yeah. Yes, it's all it's all well and good to talk about that statement drive. You're absolutely right. It was a phenomenal drive. If only you could put together two or three more of those drives, yes. this may have been a, a whole different story. But instead, the yes. Alouettes just got away from from that sort of game and then just fell back into their old tricks. Back to like, like I said, like for Trevor Harris to have the stats that he did and still look like lost out there for the most part and still holding on to the ball too long and still making poor decisions. And here's the thing. The reason why we a lot of people think that we just hate on Trevor Harris, like, listen, we're trying so hard to like this guy. But my goodness, he does not do himself any favors. And, you know, fumbling the ball when you're that deep in Ottawa's own end for a scoop and score. I, I mean, yeah, OK, fine. It's a football play. It happens. But then you got to get back. you got to you got to figure it out. And it, I just never felt like the Alouettes were able to figure out no. what was going on. And this secondary is just they're lost. There's there's no direction. There's no, no there's there's no nothing out there. Would a do you think if he had been able to come back after six games or a couple more, getting the likes of a Greg Reed back would have helped. It would have helped, especially too with Raheem, Raheem Wilson. Uh, Raheem Wilson, who I gotta say, aside from that one penalty he had that was um, I, I felt questionable at best, he actually played a pretty decent game. His first game with the Alouettes. Like I think that's one of those guys that once he gets it figured out, they'll be fine. But at the same time, though, like the rest of the secondary is just – they have moments where they look fantastic. But, I mean, nine times out of ten, this the secondary is just getting manhandled left, mm-hmm. right, and center by receivers. Like, they're, they're having a laugh. Like, that's why these guys are wide open is yeah. because it's it, – like, the, 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 the defenders are just kind of in a daze practically, I think. They're just chasing their own tails. Like, 
and, and you're wondering why these guys are left wide open, like just throw it in the flats, and I guarantee you're going to get a first down. And that I hate to say it because I really do like Noel Thorpe as a person and actually as a coach, but that was the one thing I definitely remember, especially towards the end of his first reign here as defensive coordinator, was that seemed to be like the best strategy against uh, a Noel Thorpe defense is throw it in the flats and you're going to get you're going to burn these defenders every single time. Like it, it, you'll at least get your, your your first down, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And that's got to change. I mean, I, I don't know if it's if it comes down to the personnel, if it comes down to the coaching. I don't know what it is, but I, I, I mean, you know what they say? Once is a mistake, twice is a choice. Well, I'm seeing a lot of choices here because mm-hmm. this is happening over and over and over again. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. Yeah. I, I, and I just have no answer for it. Like I'm looking at this live and i'm like what the hell is going on how is it that nick arbuckle is able to find these guys like how is he able to throw these balls which for all intents and purposes should be picked off if nothing else if not taken back to the house but no instead he he throws up a prayer and the the red blocks are like 20 30 yards downfield mm-hmm. and of new front and the new set of downs and they just keep marching on they keep marching on and yeah they, a couple times they had to sell for field goals but when they were able to score touchdowns i mean you're not surprised because well you know it's just like like, like clockwork, it, they, they just managed to move the chains, get the ball downfield, and the Alouettes, as I said, they're just chasing their own tail in, in the process. Yep. It, it's 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 beyond comprehension yeah. as far uh, as I'm concerned. Arbuckle had three passes of, of over 30 in this, in this game. And it was, it was like, wow. I mean, again, you're saying, you look at Trevor's, they weren't very impressive at, the, at halftime. But Trevor ended up only throwing seven incompletions. I mean, he was 22 at 29, 256 yards, two touchdowns. But the problem is two picks. Two picks, forced fumble. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing, too. And you you brought this up earlier at, at the game. Was when Trevor Harris, when all he does is dink and dunk his way down the field, yeah, let's do good things. Yep. I mean, it's not pretty football. It's nope. boring as hell to watch. But, I mean, you know what? If you're scoring, if you're able to score, that's all that matters. So why get away from that? Like why uh, get get rid of the ball, even if it is like, you know, checking it down to your, your running back or what have you. I mean, this, Something. This, is, this is what you have to do. So be it. Is it pretty football? No. But you know what? There are no style points. They keep saying that there's no style points in football. Yep. Just get the ball downfield, move the chains, score touchdowns. And get the I W. Mean, it, it shouldn't be that much harder than that. I mean, Especially if you truly think you're you're that much better than that Ottawa Red Blacks team, which now I'm starting to wonder, like, have these two franchises kind of turned a corner, so to speak, like going in totally different directions? What? I guess we'll find out this Friday. But I mean, like, yeah. just based on what we saw, I mean, like, this was not a team that. And let's be honest here. I mean, they had a two-game winning streak going to the Montreal Alouettes. But if we could be completely honest. You know how many times we've said this year when it came to the losses, like if a couple of things bounced here and there, that would have been a victory. I'll go so far as to say, like, if a couple of things had changed here and there, that could have been two more losses for the Alouettes. I mean, like, th- these were not these were losses to be or, or victories, I should say that, you know, yeah, be proud of the fact that you won. But it wasn't like it was a dominant win. Like this team desperately needs a dominant win. Mm-hmm. And one would think with the Ottawa Red Blacks and the state of affairs that they were in up until recently, this should have been that should have been the game where you would just go in and punch them in the face and walk out with a W instead. Yeah. You let them you you let them hang around way too long and you had no answers whatsoever. No. And you just look like I said, this this team looks to be in disarray. Yeah. And I don't know if you can necessarily blame it on the fact that uh, what happened with Gary Stern and Vernon Adams. I don't know if you can use that as an excuse, but 
I, and really, I think, truly, you shouldn't. But I, I, mean, I, I still think it was part of the equation. I still think it was easily a part of the equation. It, it could very, very well be. But no matter what, this team still ends up with yet another loss. Mm-hmm. And any good momentum that was built up, you can only blame the you know the bye week for stopping the momentum in the tracks for so much. But yeah. you've got to be able to, to go out there and play. Like, this team hasn't changed all that much. I mean, Vernon Adams wasn't going to play in this game anyway. So, I mean, one can make the argument that, you know, Vernon Adams not being part of the team anymore it shouldn't have made any difference. But, yeah. I mean, it was still the same team that went out against Hamilton for the most part, with, uh, with the exception of adding Raheem Wilson to the lineup. Yep. I mean, yep. So, I mean, all, for all intents and purposes, yes, this should have been a W for the Alouettes, but instead they just pissed it away, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the biggest surprise, I think, to start off the game itself, Cliff, was when something, you know, as, as we know, Jeffrey Harris is not known as a running quarterback. Is literally first play of the game, he takes a run for 26 yards. And we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what what oh, what, yeah. did, what did we just see um <laughs> like i know it's labor day weekend you go out for a rip bud but you know i mean it's <laughs> 26 yards what the hell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to the point where like, that was actually considered like the highlight of the first quarter like as far as the alouettes uh and their video board goes like that was the highlight of the the, the quarter was that 26 yard run i'm like okay but how yeah. many points did we get off of it yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Walter, Walter Fletcher led the team in rushing for, with 62 yards on nine carries. Uh, Jeshwan Antwi had 56 on five. Uh, receiving, pretty good. I mean, um, four four receivers, uh, excuse me, eight receivers in total had one catch. Uh, sorry, had at least one target. Um uh, the team was led by uh, Tyson Philpot uh, for 71 yards until he tweaked. Uh, I think he tweaked an ankle. I think that's what it was. Uh, Eugene Lewis, 63 yards on six receptions. Uh, Reggie White uh, Jr., which is a name we really have not seen that much in the past couple of weeks. It was nice seeing Reggie get back on uh, onto the stat sheet. You know, four receptions for 50 yards. Uh, Jake uh, Winicky, 39 yards on four receptions. Um, you know, Jake Caddy got a tutty. Yeah, yeah, but that that was that tutty that was near the end of the game. Which the only positive for that touchdown, which I was trying to get a point across to a fan in the stands, is that it matters because it's a divisional game. All points matter when it comes to a divisional game because <laughs> as of right now, I think they are up seven in the series. Yeah, with two to two to go. Yeah, two more games to go in October, but uh, and who would have thought those two games all of a sudden become pivotal? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I know those thank- Thanksgiving Day and the return Thanksgiving, uh, the the leftovers game. <laughs> uh, they're going to be very big. Um, you know, again, we got to mention Arbuckle, twenty of thirty-one, three hundred thirteen yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Um, leading receiver for the Red Blacks was Jalen Acklin. Seven receptions, 159 yards, couldn't be stopped. He really couldn't. And uh, <laughs> my gosh, he just went off. And I, I forget which game it was. There was one game that he just looked so lackluster. And you even wondered, I think it was against Edmonton, if I was not mistaken. He, he looked average at best. And to the point where people were even wondering, like, why did we waste our time getting this guy in free agency? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the game against Montreal proved like that's why you go get that guy in yes. free agency. <laughs> yes. So I think there are a lot. There's a lot to this. I mean, as I said, this, this, this team did, just did not show up. Um, whether it were issues off the field or not, 
This is the game that they, you know, they really needed to win. They they did offensively did they did okay, but the problem is again, it's like even though it's 10-10, they just gave up on what made that that 101-yard drive so special. They just completely gave up on it. Yeah. A- and next to that too, Cliff, was the attendance. You know, we're coming <laughs> off of a of a high from that last Saturday game. Sure there was a week in between because of the bye, but you know, 15,303 Lowest pre-pandemic crowd since since '98, you know, and this this is this is in the same week where the Alouette where where the uh, where it was the anniversary of the Alouette celebrating their hundredth uh, consecutive sellout, mm. you know, uh, twelve years ago. God, it seems like a lifetime ago. I know. I, so, <laughs> what what was it? Um, I did get a chance, and I haven't. I'm supposed to follow up with him, but I did a ch- get a chance to speak with uh, Alouette's president Mario Ticini at practice on Monday. And we were talking a little bit about that, too, uh, about the attendance and stuff like that. And I think what Mario needs to what Mario was trying to get across a, a Cliff is that even with all the all the publicity that was done on social recently before Gary had to step back, you know, yes, he was promoting the team, hoping people would sell out, et cetera, et cetera. What what people need to understand is that, you know, there are many ways that teams can list um attendance and announce attendance and, and mario's by the way cliff has had he said this to us i think it was either on last year i think it was on last year's state of the union and state of the team address that's what it is by the way that, that's the new name for when mario comes on state of the team address when he spoke with us last year on our season finale for season uh season six and you know the, the team is not going to just paper the paper the crowd i get that but still you have a 20, what did I say? It was 27% decrease from one game to the next. Yeah, that's a significant drop off. That is. And it goes, and yes, I understand all the variables were perfect for that, for the family day game. I get that. $5 tickets for kids, yada, yada, yada. To me, yeah. to me, it's still, to me, it's concerning. Still, it's, I still think it's concerning. I do understand, as he mentioned, that yes, season tickets are up, uh, sponsorship is up, et cetera, et cetera. At that, all positives, all positive, which I completely get. <clears throat> but as a fan and somebody who's been watching the team for as long as I have, it just scares me when I see a 27% drop for one game. No. Not to mention, too, that this was a Friday night game, so it's not like there was school or work the next day for many people. And it was a long weekend. It was a long weekend, and one could probably make the argument that a lot of people probably got out of town. And, okay, yeah, there are people who are going to do that, but people have been going out of town for the weekend anyways, and I'm sure that was probably the reason as to why they wanted Thursday night games, is because they thought people would go to the game and then go out of town. Uh, uh, but I think there's just there so many factors involved as to why people just decided to stay away. I, I definitely think that bye week, if they could if if only they played the next week, I think they could have they just built off that buzz, and they just didn't. I think that was the big thing was even though Gary Stern was on Twitter after the the victory versus Hamilton, and he was like, "Yeah, we got to fill the stadium next time against Ottawa. We got to, you know, it's going to be Labor Day weekend. It's going to be great." Blah blah blah. It just didn't happen. And why? I mean, as I said, like it was Friday night. The weather was nice. I mean, it was uh, a long weekend. I mean, there, there's all all the reasons why. And again, especially after the way that the, the team won versus Hamilton in such exciting fashion, mm-hmm. after having twenty one thousand fans in the stands. What happened? Like, really, what happened? Was it because this team went in the direction they did? Was it because they got rid of Verdon Adams? Was it because Gary Stern is now all of a sudden a silent partner 
with the Alouettes again, uh, it, 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 it's really hard to say. I mean, I don't know. And I think need people need to understand too. And this has always been my thought. I think may have mentioned this last week too, is that even with the change with, with Gary's turn stepping back, you know, minority ownership. Yes. He was, you know, some people like to see what he did on social. A lot of people did not like to see what he did on social media, but we still, there still is, there still is the, the rest of the, uh, uh, you know, of the estate, the 75 that owns 75% of this team, no matter this doom and gloom that keep, people keep talking about. But again, that's, I'm not going to rehash that, but it's, I think people need to understand that. I am interested to see, Cliff, what happens this week. Will it be the Vernon, the return of Vernon Adams effect? We'll see. Will there be a slight, slight, slight uptick? Yes. I mean, the team is averaging about 17,000 this year, which I think is pretty good. First year after a pandemic, first real season back after the pandemic, I think it's good. 17,000, I think is good. It can be better. And that, and that is despite all that's been going on, like all the mm-hmm. off-field stuff and everything. And despite all of that, despite the fact that Yellowwoods are under 500 win-wise, yeah, people are still showing up for the games for the most part. So it, it really truly does become now, how do we keep the fans coming back? How do we like get them on board and really one would think winning football games. We've we've said this many times. Winning fixes everything, and yeah, the Alouettes won two games in a row, two very exciting games by the skin of their teeth, but they still won. Mm-hmm. That should you would think that would be enough, like for fans that saw that, especially if you were in that crowd against the Hamilton game, in the Hamilton game, you were in that crowd and you felt the buzz and the oh, electricity of yes. that. Like most people should have been like, hell yeah, I want to be part of this again. I'm going to go buy more tickets, absolutely, but they didn't. And one has to ask why. What was it that kept the fans away this time? Or a good part of the fans kept away this time. And based on that lackluster effort at uh, Labor Day weekend, how many are now looking at this team like, uh, maybe not. Maybe this, maybe they were just lucky. And, you know, maybe this, this is, uh, maybe, I don't want to waste my time going to the stadium. I don't want to waste my time with this team. I don't want to waste my time. I, that's, that's, I, 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 I have to wonder just how many fans really feel that way. How many people in Montreal really look at this team and like, uh, you know, they don't have that buzz. They don't have that excitement, you know. And again, this team, this was self-inflicted. They got rid of all the things that that made this 2019 team so exciting. They're not there anymore. Uh, Other than Eugene Lewis and William Stanback, who, you know, is injured, but he's still part of that. Like all of the big elements, shall we say, of that exciting 2019 team that everybody fell in love with are gone and replaced with personnel that don't quite have that same excitement factor that don't quite have that don't quite generate that buzz. I mean, you've, you've gotten rid of Coca-Cola and as you said, Tim replaced it with generic. RC Cola generic, or if a generic or, brand <laughs> or grocery store soda. I yeah. mean, that's really what it is. And you're, you're trying to sell the grocery store soda as Coca-Cola or Pepsi and people aren't stupid. They know, they know that what you're trying to, what you're offering up, isn't going to cut it. So I, I, I think it's true that what, what it's really going to be interesting this Friday to see the turnout, see what people think. And more importantly, how will the Elwoods do against this BC Lions football team that they themselves have gone through a bit of a, a whirlwind these past few weeks. Exactly. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking with the Reed Johnson about from the Mark cast. Um, we're going to bring him on right now. Talk to him about the game itself. And when we get back, we will also do at Cliff with us this week to talk about the matchup between the BC Lions and the Montreal Alouettes is a guy that uh, I think we'll find a little bit more, but 
He started off in uh, alternative football, but has gained a, a cult following, I would say, within the CFL and his uh, podcast, uh, The Mark Cast. We welcome to the show, Reed Johnson. Hey, Reed, thanks for joining us. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. I hate to correct you. First of all, it's America's CFL team. That uh, uh, <laughs> this Montreal interview is, is over. <laughs> There's at least I, one person in uh, Maryland that may disagree gently with that assessment. <laughs> I have I have blessings from Omar Doman, owner of the BC Lions. I have the blessings of the commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. I think we are doing good. I think even uh, Gary Stern, you know, RIP his tenure. I think even Gary was kind of a, a fan of that. Just to, you know, uh, kind of, you know, Gary was into self promotion, and we're into self promotion, mm-hmm. and in the BC Lions. So I think I think Gary would have given me the signal too for it to sign off. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. If, if Gary's willing to sign off, then I, I guess we can we can accept that. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's good. Read whatever you want to tell yourself. Um, <laughs> uh, I, first, I, at least I had to ask, dude. I mean, the thing with with Vernon Adams, obviously, well, quite a few Alouette fans are upset and crushed that VA is going to be on the other side of the field. Well, other side, you know, other side of the field this year, this week. Um, you know. Earlier in the season, thoughts of maybe he was going to Edmonton, and then this thing whole thing whole goes down. What's your take as a C, as a BC Lions and CFL fan when you heard about VA being traded over to uh, to the Lions? Well, it was exciting. So Vernon lives in Tacoma. He's from Tacoma. I mean, he doesn't, you know, but he's Vernon's from Tacoma, about 20 minutes from where I live. When I had him on the show, I didn't Mm -hmm. even realize that because he was on back, you know, obviously when he was got the big deal signed with the Alouettes back in, I guess that was the, you know, late, late winter, spring. And, you know, I, I am a fan of Vernon. I don't always know if he, I can be fans of players and not necessarily, I think they always are, are performing the best in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, we had guys that went into the USFL, which we cover as well. And, you know, you watch that and you're like, oh man, like that was a bad, you know, which, you know, probably would like to have that back. But uh, really, um, you know, obviously tracked Vernon through Montreal. And then a lot of the guys that I write with, a lot of the guys over at the news hub sites, um, we're all big VA supporters. And so when I had gotten a little tip the night before, like, hey, be looking, looking towards BC tomorrow to make a move. And I texted the the, the guys that I'm friends with. And I said, you all are going to be over the moon tomorrow, excited that, you know, that uh, this is happening. And then obviously all the news came out. But because uh, I think Vernon is obviously in a better position now than he was playing second field with Trevor Harris in Montreal. Oh, with, without a doubt. I mean, again, we're gonna we we say the story, and this is you know we were we've been day one guys from with Vernon ever since he came here to Montreal, and you know it was had him on the pod a few times. It, it's it's tough because um, as many people saw and as many people heard last week, read I, I just felt that VA was done dirty th- throughout the entire 2022 season. It just he I don't think he ever got a fair shot, even if he was considered at the beginning of the year, quote unquote, the guy, but. When it comes to VA now, I mean, how does that change the dynamic of of the BC Lions at the quarterback position? I mean, considering too, it's like a it's like a reunion of sorts because now, right now, we haven't seen the depth chart as we were taping this, but VA is technically behind Antonio Pipkin, which, <laughs> which you know, he surplanted just a few years ago to become the guy in 2019. What's what's your thought going forward when it comes to the, the uh, QB position? Well, I'm just I'm glad that BC is making moves, right? Because it, it 
it, it has a weird, there's a weird situation this year. Nathan Rourke was on such this sweetheart deal and the rookie, and they were able to bring in all these guys. And you've got, you know, we were able to pay Lucky Whitehead to pay Brian Brim, pay all these guys, you know, Keon Hatcher coming in. And like, it, you know, they, they're in the position to win right now. And so when the Rourke went down, it, it was funny because uh, for the week leading into the Saskatchewan follow-up game, you know, everyone, oh, Michael Connor, you know, we feel great. And, two Canadian quarterbacks and they were just one A and one B and we feel just as good with Michael O'Connor. And then, you know, the obviously, you know, injuries and everything that game, but it was like, we got to get on the phone and we got to make moves now. And I'm glad that they did because BC is loaded to win now. I don't want to wait and, and see what happens next year. You, you never know. Nathan could never come back and play another snap in the, in the CFL ever again. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, uh, I'm glad that they made a move now. I'm glad that they were aggressive and, I think this is the best move you could make. I don't know if it's going to, you know, it's up to Vernon if he's going to be able to rise to the occasion or not. But I think that they certainly put themselves in the best position. Of course. I mean, and I'm currently looking at the what happened with the practice this week. You know, VA, uh, he, he had had the issues with the tendonitis in the elbow. Seems to be back to back to 100%. Uh, Michael O'Connor, actually, he has an abductor issue and he's been limited all week. So at once the once the depth charts come out, Cliff, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how it's going to go in BC, right? Oh, without question. <clears throat> and uh, if they do decide it is Pipkin and VA as one, two, as far as starting quarterbacks go, I just have to wonder just how long of a leash is Antonio Pipkin going to have? Very. You don't make a you don't make a big splashy move like this to bring a big. It was funny. They uh, uh, Matt Baker had posted Rick Campbell them asking uh, Rick today, coach. You know, uh, head coach. Like, uh, you know, is VA going to see playtime this weekend? What's going on? And uh, like the fire department was driving by. And there was all sorts of fire trucks. <laughs> it was like the worst time to do it. You know, to do a soundbite. And I I comment, I tweeted. I said maybe Vernon was just burning up the field. Maybe the fire department <laughs> had to show up. That he was just cruising. But I. I mean, you don't obviously make the move and bring in Vernon if you're not going to you know, play him. And, and I don't think Pipkin has a long leash, if anything. If anything, it's just Vernon hasn't had time to, to learn the rule book fully or the playbook fully. But I think Rick said today he had had five or six practices with the team. So he certainly should be uh, you know, somewhat acclimated at this point. And being, a, yeah. being a CFL veteran, too, obviously, I think mm-hmm. it's. It won't be too much. Like I won't say necessarily plug and play into the offense because obviously the offense was designed with Nathan O'Rourke in mind. But I think VA is that kind of quarterback that can pick up things pretty quick and just get right to it. Well, VA reminds me more of, I mean, I think he's more of a Nathan work style, just more mobile than, you know, Pipkin. And it's just, you know, it's, he doesn't fit. I think Michael Connor was a little bit more, I, Pipkin doesn't seem to fit into that. And, and I'm just, you know, I, I think he'll go back, uh, you know, happily and quietly to second, you know, once he can and, and fill that backup role that he's been doing. That would be interesting. What, you know, twice bitten hate Cliff. Uh, <laughs> that does occur for Pipkin, man. It's, but you know what, Reed, we've seen an issue too before with quarterbacks who've come in or just been recently traded where, you know, as you said, you know, the, the, the playbook was made for Nathan Wark. But this is all we've also seen it where quarterbacks have been traded, come in. They come in earlier than they should have. Trevor, it's a Trevor Harris is a very good example of that because at that time the, the playbook was not for him. It was for VA. Do you think there's an well, I mean use Johnny Manziel as another example here in Montreal. But do you think it, it how much you know, how much can Vernon actually learn in just a, just a couple of days? 
I, I mean, with eight and two right now, it's certainly uh, find out. I think it's it's worth figuring out. I think Montreal is really setting the world on fire right now, especially you know losing to the Red Blacks last week. I think, you know, if we were coming in against Winnipeg or you know maybe the Rough Riders again, okay, let's let's take it easy and kind of figure it out. But I I, I would just kind of go for it at this point. I mean, even if they get a loss, you know, I, I think going eight and three, I think is okay with him getting a, you know getting live game reps and moving through it that way. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, Cliff. When you're looking at, at this matchup this week, um, the, obviously, as Reed just said, you know, the, the Owls coming off of a game which I think a lot of a lot of fans thought that they should have won. They should have beaten the Red Blacks, but it just came out flat. And we knew it was a very poor week across the board for the franchise. But what are your thoughts heading into this uh, into the game between uh, BC and uh, and the Owls? I think the pressure is definitely on Montreal. I mean, pressure's on BC, of course, because they want to stay competitive with Winnipeg uh, and to a lesser extent with Calgary. But uh, I think Montreal, knowing full well that the Eastern Division is still very much up up for grabs, they've really got to get their act together. And the, if they're going to have uh, offensive outputs like they had last week versus Ottawa, then they're going to be on the outside looking in before you know it. I mean, Ottawa... I think they've started to finally get their act together. So Montreal really now has to like the pressure really is on Montreal and this organization to really get themselves in gear. And if they're playing against the BC Lions, who now have their former quarterback in the lineup, I, I mean, I definitely think Vernon Adams, as much as he's wanted to take the high road and you know say it's you know it's a business, blah blah blah. I think there's a very big part of him that just kind of wants to get in there. And run rough shot over the Alouettes if he can. And who knows this Alouettes team better right now than Vernon Adams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If you were to actually look at the the matchup read, and if you were to see if there was one weakness that the BC Lions had going into the matchup on Friday, what what would you think that it would be? Uh, well, just to preface too, real quick, it's so interesting to me, and just even listening to you guys talk and kind of break this down. The CFL is so much more interesting for me to break down and, and talk to people and analyze. You know, we talk USFL and, uh, you know, going through that season and like Vernon going to BC, that was like the biggest news of the week for me, like on a high all week going through this, thinking of all the matchups, we're even talking Calgary, Jake Mayer, everything. Right there. I just, I, I just hope people appreciate like how interesting and it, like intricate you know, analyzing the kind of breaking down the CFL is. I just, I don't know if that gets lost over in the world of like other alternative football leagues. Like, I don't think fan control football is garnering like, you know, <laughs> even, 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 you know, one tenth of like that, man, and, you know, and then I mean, they got this trade coming in and this history and then this is going on. And I mean, you had the Garrett Marino stuff this week. I mean, you just had so much stuff going on. Um, BC, I, I mean, I, I don't know. To me, it is the quarterback. I mean, I know we've been talking about that, but I, I would pose it to you guys. You know, we you seem to be looking at it like, okay, Vernon, this is the rock star coming in. I posted Vernon coming to BC, and a lot of people are like, well, BC gave up the season, or well, this sucks for BC. I mean, not everyone looks with Vernon as rose-colored uh, glasses as I think we all do on the podcast. Could be, but uh, I think I. Everybody was so enamored with Nathan Rourke and just how much of a tear he was on. I mean, do you, in your opinion, do you still think that he could walk away with the MOP award this year, even though he only played nine games? I don't know. You, I mean, you tell me the CFL season so long. I don't. I who even. I don't. Even, <laughs> was it Caleros won the MOP last year, right? Mm-hmm. He did. Yes. 
I don't know. I think it's people, right? CFL starts after Labor Day. We're moving on. I mean, I think come October, November, I mean, Rourke isn't coming back. I mean, I hate to like spoil the social media of like, well, you know, late season return. I mean, you obviously, especially at this point, don't trade for Vernon uh, if, if Nathan Rourke is coming back. But I don't know. I mean, maybe Vernon comes in and sets the world on fire, but it's probably just going to be Claros again, right? I, it would be hard pressed not to. I mean, if you're talking about, well, then again, you're talking about outstanding. This is the difference. Like, I think if it was MVP, most valuable player, then 100% is Caleros. But when you're talking about outstanding, then that that was Nathan Rourke. Like, for even if it was only nine games, he was outstanding. Pretty much eight of those nine games. I think there's only one game where he was kind of okay. Like, and even okay was pretty darn good for him. So. Mm-hmm. I, I've had that happen too before, Reed. Uh, I, so I've gone through this situation too. It's where when I was covering the uh, the Reno Football League, and uh, I think it was um, uh, one of the quarterbacks that went down, and he 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 was done for the season, and he only played half the season. I still was going to give him the MVP anyways, or Randy Hibbert. I was still going to give him the uh, the MVP anyways. I was basically outvoted by my you know by my co-host on that podcast, but it's. Again, Cliff brings up a good point, MVP versus MOP. But, I mean, it's uh, you can't argue with what Cliff says, but, I mean, it's, uh, hey, we, we still have, what, more, we have more than a more than half, just over half the season to go. So, I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> I'd give it to him. I'll see why not. Give it to him. He deserves well, it. That's what, that's what I've learned with, you know, our short time in covering the CFL now is, it really is a tale of like, you know, multiple legs of the season, right? Where, you know, last year, BC looked pretty decent last year starting out. I mean, it was against the Red Blacks. It was against the Elks. I think, you know, we had strung together a few wins and then, you know, they totally fell apart because it's such a marathon. It's just a totally different beast. The CFL, and I always have to keep that in mind is... I mean, even in the NFL, but just to a greater extent, like it, it really is what have you done for me lately? And, you know, Calgary could come out of the blue again, or not out of the blue, but, you know, rally like they did last year and make a deep run. They got Jake Mayer now. I mean, it's just, it, it could change, you know, over the course of month to month and just, we could be a totally different spot. Oh, for sure. I, I, I'm sure neither, neither of us saw, you know, Mayer coming in and Bo Levi being benched. I don't think anybody saw that coming in. That that really did change the West in, in, you know, other than the Blue Bombers, I think that really was a shakeup of the West. And then obviously with VA coming in now this week for BC, who, again, any, anything can happen. I, by the way, you guys, I just happened to check. Uh, the Owls are not getting the, the, the home betting line, the home three points for the betting line this week. Uh, BC is actually favored by three and a half with an over under of uh, 54 points. So, um, and that, that's considering a BC team that has not had a very good history in Montreal over the past, what, what, 10, 15 years. So it's, I'm not surprised with the line itself, but, but then again, I mean, uh, I guess they're going based off that, you know, based off the quarterback situation. So. Well, BC famously came in and won last year. That's when the, you lost the bet to me and had to change your mm-hmm. profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if recent history says anything, BC came in. That was a thrilling game last year. I watched that. I was, uh, what was that in? It was in October. I was filming the wedding and I watched that game on my phone during the cocktail hour of the wedding. <laughs> the BC wow. Montreal game. Yeah. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, VA, during that time, like it was before his injury. Like, it, yeah. We said last year, like he was kind of going through this Jekyll and Hyde phase. Like he'd have one outstanding game, one not so outstanding game. And I think that was one of his not so outstanding games. I think he did okay, but still made a lot of mistakes and just it didn't look like the VA that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. And it was just 
crazy that okay bc was kind of having its struggles but they got it together and it is kind of funny like i honestly felt like those two teams at that point like kind of had met at a crossroads and both went in completely different directions i i like now you look at this team a year later and completely different. And sure enough, Vernon Adams is now a member of the BC Lions. So, I mean, and he could come and play this game, which I honestly thought VA would be playing in this game at some in some way, shape or form, just not for the Lions. So it's remarkable how the winds of fortune have changed for Montreal just in the last three weeks. I mean, you know, obviously when you're, uh, you know, CEO and, you know, co-owner and the scarester and all that stuff. But like, I mean, the Montreal was on top of the world like three weeks ago and they, you know, they had their, right. They had the two wins and Garrison's blowing up the world. Everyone's excited. We got, you know, the poutine helmets, all this stuff. And then, I mean, if, and I would certainly expect BC to win this weekend, but the Montreal loses again. I, I don't know. I, I just see, I can see their momentum continuing down. I really think that they got to kind of write the ship here. Yeah. It's like that bye week was like the worst thing that could possibly happen to them. Like there's never a good time to take a, a break when you think about it. But I mean, the, as far as momentum goes, like it just kind of stopped dead in its tracks and just, they couldn't get it back going against Ottawa. And now as far as I'm concerned, like they've got a, a pretty tough hill to climb against BC because regardless of who the quarterback is, BC has so many weapons when it comes to offense. Uh, I mean, you just cannot take this team lightly at all. Mm-hmm. Hey, and and I'll have another bye week next week. What the hell? Is, what's going to happen now? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there, as I said, the, if the pressure wasn't on before, it certainly is on now. Like this, this is going to be a very pivotal game, I think, for both teams. I just don't get like, and obviously you guys are in a lot more, you know, entrenched in the outlets. I just never understand like Payne, Vernon, having the big contract, bringing them in. Then we bring back Trevor Harris. It never felt like you said, it never felt like he got a fair shake. No one I talked to on uh, you know, my American counterparts here, I think that Vernon got a fair shake. We had Gary Stern on the show saying that, you know, Vernon Adams visits with his grandchildren and he doesn't even know Trevor Harris. But yet here now Trevor Harris is, I just don't understand why I go through all this rigmarole uh, w- with the team. I mean, wh- what do you guys make of it? Actually, Cliff, Cliff oh. you, you had something interesting that happened last week that you told me about. About what Trevor Harris did, that that it we, well, usually was a VA thing, right? Yeah, like uh, in all of his time here in Montreal, whenever Vernon wasn't playing, whenever it was injury or being benched or what have you, the one thing that he would always do during halftime or in TV timeouts and things like that is he'd grab a football and he'd just toss it with the kids in the audience and you know have that little back and forth, which was always nice. Last week at uh, during the the warmups and all that, uh, Trevor Harris actually started to do that with the fans in the audience. And I got to say it, it really felt forced. Like, I mean, like, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if someone got into his ears, like, Hey, you know, like this is your team. Now you got to be the the leader and, you know, do what VA did. Like as far as uh, fan interaction goes. And I mean, he did it, but like, I just, it looks so uncomfortable, quite frankly. Like it just felt like, okay, I'm doing this cause the other guy did it kind of thing. I don't know. I, I to me, I it, just, it just, no, that's a great. I think that's a great anecdote. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just it just felt like okay, like yes, this is Trevor Harris's team now, and will likely remain that way for the rest of the season, barring injury. But it just felt, like I said, it just felt so choreographed, so orchestrated. So, I don't yeah, know. I would it's expect just, something like that coming from Dominic Davis or from Davis Alexander, not from our starting quarterback. Is that a fair analogy, Cliff? I, I would say so. I mean. Reed, if you were to see that for your favorite NFL team, do you, don't you think that would be a tad strange? 
Well, you know, and I think it's interesting. We had, uh, I had Matthew Scanetti on last week. He was heading right to Montreal and, and covering that. And he said the same thing that like, uh, Trevor like wants to win for Trevor, right? Where, wherever he is and, and uh, Trevor and not that he won't rally the team and be the face of the franchise. But, like Trevor wants to be, you know, to win it for Trevor where Vernon is very much like, I got all my boys in my locker room. Everyone likes me. I fly them out to, you know, Washington. We do the camps. We do all that stuff. Like, it does feel, I I think that's a really, really interesting anecdote that it feels like, yeah, Trevor, well, okay, I got to step in. I got to do this now. Like, I don't know Trevor. I haven't interviewed him, but every interview I've ever seen with him is like anti-charisma and just anti whatever and not that you can't lead a team that way to victory, but it's certainly not. It's just a very different dynamic than what Vernon is. Well, that's it, and that's kind of the, the now the whole mood of the team. As I, I feel, is kind of shifting in that direction. Is to okay. Well, this is our leader. This is what he does, and do we have to act accordingly? Kind of things. Like, so I, I'm I'm really curious to see how this team is going to respond, knowing full well that okay, this really is the Trevor Harris show now, good, bad, or other. And how, how do we perform? How do we go out and do what we do with this guy running the show? Mm-hmm. I yep. Yeah. It's we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this week. Does he does Trevor come out and throw the ball again uh, with the fans or, or at least try to start it up again with the fans? I mean, it's yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, to me, it's also kind of interesting the fact that he's willing to throw the ball at fans because as, as we've discussed on numerous times, Trevor just doesn't like he holds on to the ball way too long and just doesn't like throwing it at all at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's just my assessment. That's I know, all. I know. <laughs> Reed, look, looking at the looking at the matchup, um, what is what is? I, I have to ask the opposite here because obviously there's a but. But what what does BC have to do to lose this game to Montreal this week? That's tough. I I, I re- like you said Montreal, uh, BC. You know, favored going into Montreal. I don't know. I think BC obviously going through a lot of changes right now, but mm-hmm. you have the core still there. I mean, I think that. Uh, Pipkin looked serviceable. I saw the the later half of that game, the 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 follow up to the Nathan Rourke injury with Saskatchewan. I came home and saw the second half of that game. Uh, you know, they looked a little lost at that point. I think it had obviously not gone well that night. Uh, is uh, T.J. Lee is hurt, right? Is mm-hmm. Lucky still out? Lucky is still out as well for a couple weeks. Uh, Lucky had full uh, full participation. To, at today's practice, as we're taping this on Wednesday, uh, limited for the prior two, so there's no final. There's only the only two people that they, a, a a decision has been made so far is for TJ Lee, where he's out, and then Isaiah Guslak Messam is questionable. Okay. So, I mean, he's going to have a skill set. I know that BC traded for that, uh, the kick returner, too. And I thought maybe that was because uh, my head uh, was still out. I don't know. I mean, I think they would really have to fall apart. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what Vernon and, and that team does when, once he gets acclimated. And it might take a couple weeks. Like I said, I think BC has a little bit of headroom mm-hmm. going into this. But uh, I think they would really have to fall apart. <laughs> I hate to say it, it, but hey, it, it makes ahead. me wonder, you know, it, it could be a uh, we we're talking about a trap game last week for the Alouettes. It makes me wonder if this will fall into the same type of thing, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking, uh, the Trevor Harris coming in and taking over the next week or uh, Johnny Menzel coming in and taking over just after a couple of practices. Will that be the same thing for Vernon Adams 
if he does come in and play this week, and, and depending on how many how much snaps he gets, because you know Pipkin has gone, you know he's been in Toronto and now he's in BC. Everybody remembers Pipkin, but the question is, how will the team, how will the Alouettes prepare for potentially two separate quarterbacks that used to be on the Alouettes? So it's it can't be you know can't be any worse than it was last week. I hope not, right, Cliff? Well, that almost sounds like a challenge for them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, Reed, we got to talk to you at least before we let you go. Um, as I mentioned before, you really have carved out a, a niche spot, or not more than a niche spot, but a cult following itself when it comes to uh, the podcast that you're doing. As I said, you've gone, you've gone from XFL to USFL to CFL. Uh, explain to anybody who hasn't caught your podcast yet um, what you guys have done and uh, what you're trying to get across to the fans. Yeah, so we started out, my old co-host Paul and I, we were the uh, XFL Markcast because at that point, uh, The Rock and, and Danny Garcia, his business partner, had just purchased the league out of bankruptcy. Uh, we were going to you know, talk XFL uh, kind of first and foremost. Uh, and then I think about three weeks after we launched the podcast, uh, XFL announced that they were postponing, not coming back in 2021, and they were going to come back in 2022. And so immediately it was, oh, no, now we have to I think of a lot of other things to talk about for the next uh, at that point year and a half uh, so, you know, we started talking about the Spring League. That's kind of that was what has evolved into the USFL. There was fan control football, which is a, a Twitch based. Uh, it's actually really cool if you're into I just not really into arena ball. We talk about it. I've had some of their announcers on, but, um, you know, arena fan voting, Internet kind of that way. And then obviously when the XFL and CFL talks uh, started, uh, there was a big spotlight for us as an XFL podcast on the CFL. And so we very quickly had to educate uh, in, in, in what is a CFL, you know, what is a three down, uh, what is a rouge, kind of all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly motivated by a lot of Canadians really unhappy that, like, God forbid, Americans would want to talk about our league. And it really was <laughs> uh, motivated by, okay, well, you know, I, like John Locke and Lost, you know, like, don't tell me what I can't do. Because uh, I will say, like, CFL uh, fans, the league, uh, I, it's better some weeks, it's worse others, but I uh, do not do a great job of welcoming in people that want to learn about their sport. Uh, I am a new NFL fan as well. I actually started watching the NFL because of the XFL. And uh, when I, you know, became a, a Washington uh, Commanders uh, fan now, uh, uh, no one, you know, messaged me and said, well, uh, I've been to, you know, it's 18 Grey Cups. How many have you been to? And like, you need to, you can't do this or talk about this or like, you need to earn your uh, whatever. So it's interesting. Uh, as CFL fans, I, I understand and take pride in, in their lineage and fan base and all that. But uh, now we cover all of it. I've been to a Grey Cup. Uh, we have our flights booked for the Regina Grey Cup this year. Uh, excited for that. And I, I think we do a good uh, personality driven. I bring on a lot of good guests i'm never going to be your x's and o's kind of let me tell you the third string you know db that's coming out (laughs) or whatever never going to be that i'm happy to bring on smart educated people that are smarter than i am to kind of do all that stuff but i i don't know i think we have a good fresh take um you know i i think we get a lot of good guests i think i've built myself up as a point now where we can get a lot of people uh that maybe other alternative yeah you know like xfl and usfl podcasts maybe wouldn't get so 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, and uh, you, it, it's continuous. You do a, a once a, once a week show. Uh, I know you do a lot of work behind the scenes and getting all these guys to, to come and, and join you and talk because because it's it's really it's video based. Uh, unlike you know us currently being just only audio based, but I mean it's uh, it, you broadcast when and uh, how can and where can they find you? Yeah, uh, every Friday, seven a.m. Pacific. Uh, we do it every Friday. We'll do some live streams. I went uh, XFL. I had a big announcement down in Arlington a couple weeks ago. We did the live show from there. A tremendous amount of work. I don't, you know, it's just solo now. It's me. So uh, each week, it's generally finding someone smart to talk about XFL, someone smart to talk about USFL, and someone smart to talk about CFL. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's challenging, as you can imagine. CFL has a wealth of incredible, talented men and women and reporters and analysts and players and coaches and other podcasters like you guys uh, that can talk. XFL and USFL get a little tricky. As Arash Madani pointed out, you know, uh, last year on, on our podcast, like, uh, what is in XFL media? What does that look like? Because there's not there's not a lot of us, but I do try to do my best to, to talk to these people. Oh, yeah. And, and so, go ahead, Clark, go ahead. I was going to say, so... Now that you've had a chance to, you've had a little taste of uh, talking with uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia. When are they going to come on to the Marcast? Well, that's the next big goal, right? I mean, that's, you know, I'm a wedding videographer, so I look at a lot of this stuff uh, as fun and trying to see who I can get on. You know, obviously, like getting the Mardoman, uh, owner of the BC Lions, was really exciting, and like getting Ambrosi on. Um, we, you know, like even last week, we had on uh, Brandon Coffee, one of the reporters over at Sportico, that broke the story about the XFL, like seeking investors ahead of the season. So, you know, I try to bring in like, Hey, so and so, you know, has this information or has a story. Okay, let's talk to them and figure it out. But yeah, that would obviously be uh, the next goal at this point. I've had the president of the USFL on in the past. I've had um, a lot of other people. So that's, but it is something fun to work towards. So yeah. And also, you, you've had us on too. We are greatly appreciated that we uh, that we're on your live uh, pregame show uh, to start off the season. So it's uh, it's it's fun to talk about the CFL. Uh, obviously, um, I'm not into the as much the XFL or USFL read, but with all honesty, dude, uh, congrats, man, because you've you've really done a great job, and uh, uh, we'd be uh, we'd well, we'd love to have you back again, obviously, in the future here on the on the flight deck, and uh, we hope you'll have us uh, back also. Well, no, I appreciate it. And like I said, uh, CFL uh, fans and listeners like should be blessed just to the wealth of fan podcasts and reporters and, you know, the team PR people and like that you guys work with and the work with you guys, like uh, having, and obviously the CFL has been around for, you know, a hundred plus years, all that stuff. But it's so nice to have like, a real league with like real everyone covering it and kind of being able to, and as difficult as it was to get into that versus, you know, like the XFL, there's like three XFL podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. There's a couple guys talking about it. We have a couple of pros like CFL has a wealth of incredibly, really smart people talking about the league. And it makes it a lot easier for my part to, to bring people on versus the other sports that we talk about. So I get it. No, I feel like well, it. You're you're doing this thing, man. I mean, you're you're killing it each and every week. And like I said, the only thing I can say is just keep going. Don't stop. The the path that you're on is working. I appreciate that. So it doesn't always feel that way. So I do I do appreciate that. It's a lot of work. Like you guys said, you know, and when you book your guests, it's a lot of work behind the scenes. So I appreciate it, and I appreciate you asking me on. Yeah. Um, uh, if anybody wants to follow you on social, whether it be your personal account or whether it be the Mark Cast. 
uh, and actually, I, I don't think you mentioned the where to, where to find you on YouTube. Where would they follow those socials? Uh, themarkcast.com has everything. You can go to themarkcast.com slash watch. It'll take you to the YouTube to watch the show. You can go to themarkcast.com slash listen. That'll take you to our audio directory with all the podcast links. Uh, the underscore markcast on Twitter is my very active uh, Twitter markcast account. And then somehow in my past life, I was verified. So if you want to follow my verified account, you can follow it at, at Reed Johnson. Are you? Wow. Oh, look at you. Holy it, crap. It helps out. It helps out out though when i'm trying to like reach out to people it does help to have the verified and be able to slide into the dms a little bit easier yeah, right. in my, yeah in my in my previous life and um i i did not like my previous career before this but if there was one benefit it was that blue check mark so i guess it all worked out it's like the american express card you know membership has its privileges yeah. <laughs> yeah, i like that yeah hey again reed we appreciate you bud and uh i'm, I'm sure we'll talk to you soon Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you guys. Uh, bad luck this weekend. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is on. It is on. <laughs> we want to thank Reed again for joining us. If you haven't already, please make sure you check out the Markcast um, over on YouTube. Uh, a lot of great content coming from Reed, and uh, as as we talk to him, it's uh, he's become a big fan of the league. And uh, you know, if the guys from across the league, you know, the talking heads, want to be on the show and his show and talk about the the league, by all means, go for it. Reed, you're doing a good job, bud, and we're, we'll we'll love to have you back again. Oh, 100 percent, yeah. Like, folks, if you're not checking out the Marcast, you're you're definitely missing out. I mean, it's all football, really, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about yeah. like. USFL, XFL, and most importantly now, CFL. I mean, he had to pivot at the right time, and it's worked out fantastic for him. I mean, he's pretty much gotten anybody who's anybody in the CFL on the show, including us. So, I mean, that's a win right there as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So, by all means, folks, definitely go check out the Marcast. Check out what Reed's doing. It is really, really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, game coming up this week, as we ha- have alluded to, even when we're talking with Reed, uh, we got the game versus the BC Lions, the return of Vernon Adams to Montreal. Going to be pretty bittersweet. I know I've already mentioned I will, in respect for VA and all he's done, I will be wearing my Vernon Adams jersey uh, this Friday. Um, as I mentioned to Reed, the Alouettes are a three-point underdog at home. Uh, I, you know what? Considering how bad the Alouettes have been, which I didn't mention in the last segment— Cliff, uh, you know, with versus the Red Blacks at home. I mean, being two and nine versus the Red Blacks at home since since 2014, the Owls have had a better, you know, the, they've done a better job at home versus the BC Lions uh, since they've been back in '96. So, I mean, that's a positive. It's just we just need an, maybe the addition of these two new guys that we got through trade last week will make a will make a little bit of a difference for the Owls this week. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Thomas Costigan and Nafis Lion in the lineup. Uh, again, I, I was very excited when this trade went down. I know they've had a chance to sort of get into the system, get into the groove. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, they got a chance to be a part of this defense. And I, I think they'll definitely make an impact right away. Mm-hmm. I, I really hope so. Along with, uh, with what Raheem Wilson did in his Alouettes debut, I thought he played a very good game. Yeah. I could definitely see Nafis Lyons doing similar as well as Thomas Costigan in that def- along with that defensive line. I mean, the defensive line has been fantastic this year for the most part. And if he can come in and just help contribute to that as well to help keep that momentum going, that'll be huge. Because as I've said, this this the secondary right now is not good. It's not looking good. I mean, it, it's really not. But the defensive line is solid. They've been making plays. They've they've been doing good things. 
especially against opposing quarterbacks. Linebackers have been very solid as well for the most part, but I mean, this this secondary needs all the help it can get. So if Nafis Lyon can come in and be that, you know, along with Raheem Wilson, be be those pieces that will help turn the tide, help get their act together. Like that's going to be crucial for the Alouettes as far as I'm concerned against BC. Because let's let's not kid ourselves. This BC lines, who, whoever, regardless of who the quarterback is for BC, whether it's going to be Antonio Pipkin or Vernon Adams, they're going to feast with those weapons at hand. Like guys like Brian Burnham, Javon Kotoy, and Lucky Whitehead, if he's mm-hmm. playing. It, like these are guys that just, they move the chains. They simply just catch the ball and run and score. I mean, that's, that's what they do. So, I mean, this secondary is going to be tested even further this week, as far as I'm concerned, and they had better be ready. Yeah, it, it it's going to be, I said, it, this really is a must-win game for the Alouettes. I mean, we, we had said before the whole series itself with the, you know, the, this longest homestand in Owls history is that, you know, they need to win three of four. And, you know, a lot of people that I have spoken with have said that they really thought that this BC game was going to potentially be that one loss. Well, we're now going to this. We've already lost, you know, we've already lost that one game within this series already, you know, you know by losing to the Red Blacks. The, the Owls need to step up. I mean, they are in second place currently. They do hold that uh, that home playoff spot currently. But the issue is, they're only a game up now, you know, two, two points up in the standings to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And a game and, game and a half over uh, the, uh, uh, the Tiger Cats. Yeah. And right now, like, Hamilton right now is just a complete train wreck. I mean, they, 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 things are not going well in Tigertown. And Ottawa, now that they've, it seems like they've got, I, I see, I think they found their magic formula and it turned out it was having Nick Arbuckle as your quarterback. <laughs> like it, sometimes that's all it is. It's just a, a slight change in personnel. And all of a sudden the attitude shifts and mm-hmm. all of a sudden things just fall into place. And I can't help but wonder if now, especially buoyed by these two wins against Edmonton and Montreal, Ottawa's got to be thinking to themselves, Hey, this, this season is not over. Like we're, we're in this mm-hmm. and, and Toronto, even though like they're, I won't say they're running away with the Eastern Division just yet, but I mean, like they—they're winning when they have to as well. So I mean, Montreal truly has to—they've got to—they got to win. They got to keep pace, if nothing else. I mean, especially too being this is a Western opponent. Montreal's done well against Western opponents this year, as we've seen, but it's not going to be easy. There, there's no question about that. Like I was worried. I, I, I again, I like most people had considered this to be an automatic loss when Nathan Rourke was a quarterback when he went down. You, you kind of got a little bit of hope if you're an Alouettes fan thinking, oh, okay, well, I, I I think we could beat this team if it's Antonio Pipkin at quarterback or even Michael O'Connor. But now with Vernon Adams, a member of the BC Lions, especially knowing that this he, he's got to have revenge on his mind, even if he won't say it. And who knows his team better than the than Vernon Adams? I, I mean, Montreal, Montreal, simply put, the Alouettes really, really better have it together. And they got to find a way to win no matter what versus BC. There's, there's just no two ways about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, just, just, just happened to be checking the, the history between these two teams. I mean, they split the last 10 in Montreal, you know, Alouettes really have had been a dominant force versus BC up into the last, well, 10 years. Um, it's just, that is it the, a, an Alouettes team that has, not taking advantage of BC making the trip to the to the East Coast, or uh, or what is it? You know, th- this is a game. This is a game that the Alouettes need to win. They need to win this game. Uh, it's not do or die yet because of the weird East, 
But with the potential crossover of a Western team this year, you you need to be at, you know you need to to shore up where you are in second place or more just to make sure that we do get that home playoff game at the end of the year. Without question, I mean at this point, really truly, I think a crossover is inevitable. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're not in first or second place in the East, you're you're watching the games at home. You're watching the Grey Cup at home. Simply put. There's no two ways about it. I really think that's really what it's come down to right now. I mean, even even the Elks, I, I I think if they were to cross, like if they were in the Eastern Division, they'd be in first place or second even. So, I I, I mean, really truly, like it is going to come down to two teams in the East in the playoffs. And it, if Montreal wants to be one of those two teams, whether it's first place or second place, they got to start winning. They really got to put it together. Like I. The moves they've made right now, like the the you know the situation that they've built for themselves up to this point, this is all them. This is what they wanted. This is the scenario that Danny Machocha had envisioned for himself, as far as being the head coach, being the GM of this team, bringing in his people, making the moves, installing his guy as the quarterback, getting rid of all the roadblocks, shall we say, that were in his way. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he does have full reign of this team right now. Like this is his show, without question. But now you like, as they say, you've paid the band. Now it's time to dance. So mm-hmm. that's that's really what it is. And but we, we imagine, need. To, I was I was gonna say, but the way that it's going, we're we're on course to get a good Trevor this week. Um, we just need to, to get some consistency. You know, again, sure, only seven incomplete passes last week, but still, uh, two interceptions and the scoop and the fumble for the scoop and score didn't help. Um, you know, it's some consistency needs to be shown. Hey, well, if you're if you're doing a good thing, do you know? Even if BC, you know, if Ottawa had made some some corrections, you know, still use your to your advantage. You know, it's I, I just I just want this team to show that they that they know how to play. We we know they're better than what they're what they've been showing. It's just like two years of inconsistency is really it really isn't helping. It really isn't. And again, if you were to strictly look at the stats. Yes, offensively, this team is doing the right thing. Problem is, you're not doing it enough. And that's really what it comes down to. And this defense, as I've said, has got to be so much better mm-hmm. and should be so much better. Especially, too, uh, the moves you made were the ones you wanted. You you brought in your people, coaching-wise and player-wise. You made the moves that you wanted to for this defense. And as I said, this, this defensive line, I think, is truly fantastic. But everything else is still questionable at best and you got to answer those questions. I mean, you 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 got to figure out what's wrong and fix it. If, if you think these are the guys, if these guys are not living up to the potential, you got to find a way to make sure that they do. And if not, you you can't be afraid to make changes. You you got to do what you got to do to make this defense as good as this offense. I mean, again, and we're going strictly by statistics because again, you still got to put plays together, and that's still something I think Montreal really needs to do better is put drives together a lot better mm-hmm. i mean we need several statement drives so to say yeah and, and we'll see what happens they said it's just get off on the good uh, just just win i don't know what else to say without just just babbling in incessantly here the owls need to win period they do and, and if hey, they can i'll be happy with a blowout i'll be happy with a blowout but we haven't had well, one we really haven't as you said we've had close games but we're due you know, yes, we had first one for Saskatchewan, but then it turned right back in our favor that, you know, against us the, the following week. We need to make a statement. We need it. You know what? We don't need a statement drive, Cliff. We need a statement game. Truly, truly do. So, And 
the thing is with it's it's kind of looking like Antonio Pipkin may get the start. That's what it looks because, like so far, yeah. But I, I really have to wonder. Like, if you thought <laughs> Vernon Adams's leash was short in Montreal, I can only just imagine like how many middle how many milliliters or millimeters I should say <laughs> is the leash <laughs> for Antonio Pipkin? We, uh, are we measuring it in in uh, in liquid now? I thought that's that's the beer that they're going to be selling so, for nine dollars this week. That's special. <laughs> maybe, that's a special. Or, so. Or maybe how much Antonio is sweating, knowing that he's got the big play VA <laughs> right behind him. <laughs> he'll be he'll be pulled after going one for two for nine yards. Anyways, uh, he might get he might get pulled during the national anthem. There you go. Um, if I'm Antonio Pipkin, like he, he, I, I I know the pressure has to be on him. Big oh time. yeah, yeah. Well, and it'll be you know what to be again. I've, I've joked and said be usurped again by by VA. Man, we'll see what happens. Stay tuned to our socials to, to see what the um, what the depth chart is going to be, not only for the Alouettes, but you'll also be able to check out to see what is announced by the league and by the uh, by the C- uh, by the Lions for what their depth chart is going to be. Because I know I'll be very interest- interested to see what that see what that is. And by the way, just at least have to mention too, I know you weren't able to make it, Cliff, but for those who may who may not have known, practice on Monday on Labor Day was absolutely amazing. Whether it's if they're practicing over Personal Molson or whether they're practicing over the Big O. I encourage anybody, if you're able to make it during those times, it's usually from 1130 to 130, one of those two places, but check on the on the website, the league team's website, for where it's going to be occurring, because one will be at Percival Molson at least each week. Attend. It is, yes, it's 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 like being at the game on, on the field after the game, but it's also a lot different. It's very, very close to what it is for, for, uh, for training camp. It's fun and just to talk to the guys. Everybody is there from Mario to uh, Joey Alfieri to, uh, to everybody every who is a part of the organization itself. It's just fun to be there. Got to talk with some great people this week. A lot of the veterans talked talk to Gino. Got to talk to uh, Davis Alexander. We have to get him on the pod very soon, Cliff. I was It was so much fun talking to him this past week. Oh, absolutely. I, I believe it. And yeah, folks, I mean, I've said this numerous times in the past is if you really, truly want to meet the players, I mean, training camp is a great way to do it. But I mean, if you want to meet players during the season, you're not always going to be able to meet them before or after the games, but at practice is the best time because it's, I won't say a relaxed atmosphere, but at the same time, like these guys, they're working, they're doing their thing. But after the, after when the practice is done, they're always happy to sit and talk with you for a couple minutes or sign autographs, take that photo with you. I mean, like the, that's the time to really, if you really truly want to meet your favorite players, Get yourself to a practice because that is, I, I feel, in my estimation, the best time to meet players and really get to talk with them, get to spend some time with them. I mean, that's, you know, to me, like, that's what makes this league so great is that you have that accessibility. Like, you are able to go up to these guys and say hello to them and interact with them. And they want that. They want to be able to interact with their fans. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and folks, I mean, practice, you don't need tickets. You don't need anything. You just have to show up. Exactly. So if you have a chance, as Tim said, by all means, Make your way, whether it's at Percival Molson or at the Big O, go on down to practice, watch your guys, watch them at work, watch them see what they're doing to prepare for the next game. It's very different. It's very different than 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 uh, than camp, and it's very different from the game itself because you really get to look in and see how they're going to be preparing for the next for that that week's game. It's a different atmosphere. It's a completely different atmosphere. And if you're a fan of football, as Cliff is saying, you got to show up. You got, if it, it, you know, 
if at least once, that would be it. So that that's why if you are season ticket holders and have been uh, invited to go to Members Day next Sunday, sorry, not this Sunday, but next Sunday the 18th, show up. It's a different different atmosphere, I tell you. Make sure you get there. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, the best way to interact with the players and get to know them on a more personal level, and they want to get to know you too. That's the thing. Like these guys, they love their fans, and knowing that the you know you're going there to support them and show up to be there for them, that that makes a big difference for them. I can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, a reminder too that uh, it is still season ticket member month for all season ticket holders for for the Alouettes. Uh, take advantage of your extra seats that you have been given by the team to sit uh, to essentially upgrade your seats or to gift them to somebody else and to use your 30% off discount, not only on food, but on merchandise. Remember to remember to bring your actual code with you uh, so you can take advantage of it because I did last week. I was very happy to do so. Um, let's see what, what, what other, other new merch Corey and the crew have this week. So Cliff, I will see you at our regular and our upgraded seats this week. Yes, very excited. I think, uh, you know, I think what we have to do once we get into our upgraded seats is we got to show these fans, we got to show everybody on the, on the socials how we're living it up. So, uh, and if we get a great game out of it as well, man, it's going to make for a fun Friday night. Exactly. Um, and we will see you guys next week on all socials. But and you know. Let us know what you what you want to hear. You want to, what what do you want us to talk about? What who do you want on the show? Email me at tim.capper at alouettesflightdeck.ca. Email Cliff at clifford.pine at alouettesflightdeck.ca, and we will do our best. And remember, stay tuned. We got the the live draw for who's going to be winning that Delta jacket. So stay tuned. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.